You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. And we are off on this Thursday edition of the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM, the king of parlays. Coming up, time to recap last night's action in the NBA as the association gears up for All-Star Weekend at 620. We will dive even deeper and talk about the big questions facing some of the title contenders. Speaking of titles, the Chiefs added another one to their resume. We will talk about everything that we saw yesterday in the NFL during the seven o'clock hour, more from the NBA, followed by some base baseball, baseball futures. Yeah, spring training is finally underway. We'll get to that. And then at eight o'clock, pick some leans today in the NBA, followed by a very special guest at 820. Meg McDonald from Monumental Sports Network will be along to preview the Genesis Invitational for us. Then best bets come your way at 840. And ladies and gentlemen, without further ado. She was gone for 24 hours. Now she's back. I believe she's wearing lilac today. It is Chelsea Messenger, my co-host. Oh, that's the worst clap ever. Hi, Chelsea. How are you? Good morning. What a comeback, you know, for taking one day off of yes. work, but it was needed. Uh, here's the thing when you get older. You realize that not everything you do is going to be necessarily for fun. And I'm going somewhere with this because I took the day off just because I felt like I was drowning in so many ways, more than one. Like last week was the Super Bowl week. I was, you know, miserably sick and the housework was just, you know, piling up. Like I had so much laundry. The house was a mess. So I just needed a day to like reset. And it's kind of like when you're younger and you start making your own money. You're like, this is my fun money. I'm going to spend it on something oh, fun. Oh, right. And then you realize that your tires are completely bald. And they're like, that's going to be $1,200 for new tires. And you're like, what? Oh. This is supposed to be my fun money. I'm supposed to spend it on something fun. So, you know, when you hear I take a day off, you're like, oh, did you go to a concert or something? No, I had to do adult things. I cleaned the house. And so now it does feel like I can operate at 100% because the house is not a mess. So I know that's like not the fun answer for why it took days off, a day off, but that's just being an adult sometimes. Hey, let me tell you, you know what I did last night? I had way too much to drink on Valentine's Day. It wasn't great. Oh, I'm operating at about 45%. Now, the lovely Catherine and I are great. There's not like I was 
drowning my sorrows. We're going to have a great dinner on Friday. But she had some sort of doctor's appointment. And then this was after some sort of work issue where she had to work late because she works really hard. And so there I was. And then I was sitting with my friend Pat and I was trying to, it's not my fault, Chelsea. It's peer pressure. I was sitting there and Pat says, why are you leaving? And I was like, yeah, he goes, I mean, I, I have a full beer. I was like, yeah, you know, I could stay. I could, you know, I could do another. And then this couple next to us, they come over, they start talking. Ah, oh, my God. There's a long night for this guy. And, and to make you feel better, I went 0-3 on my bats last night. Complete garbage. Worst night I've had in a long time. Actually, best night I've had in a while going out in the city. But the worst night I've had betting in a long time. So if you're ever feeling bad about your bets, just remember that this guy went over last night. Straight garbage. Oh, that doesn't make me feel better. Like, I want you to win. I want us to have a winning Uh, record. But I will say this. We were just talking about things where we've been watching on Netflix. I watch stand-up comedy in the morning while I'm getting ready to get me in, like, the right mindset. And it was Taylor Tomlinson's new stand-up, which is actually filmed in D.C. I was thinking of you. And she said, nobody wants anybody to have it all. And so, like, that's the thing. It's like, okay, well, you had a great time. You have all these friends. You have a great social life. But you went on in your bets. So it just, like, feels like it evens (laughs) out. Do you think that's true? Do you think nobody wants anybody to have it all? Because I will say it is upsetting. When you meet somebody who's, like, really good looking and they just are so nice and they've got a great personality and a great job, you're like, What's the problem here? Like, you can't be that perfect, right? Well, this is what I always say. Because the one thing that does, I will say, that does sort of get on my nerves is when people hate just to hate. So I, if I meet someone, and I know I do have a handful of friends of mine who seem to have everything, right? Like, they're perfectly happy. They have a ton of money. They have these amazing jobs. And the one thing I always come back to is I'm, I'm envious. I'm like, wow, you know, I I wish I were doing that. But I'll say this, at the very least, I'm so glad that you're good people because there are some people in this world who seem to have it all and they're terrible people. And I'm like, those are the people, if you're a bad person, if you're a bad human, then I can't get behind you. But listen, if you are someone who seems to check all the boxes and seems to be living your best life, the only thing I ask is at least you're a good person. So that's how how I sort of mitigate the, I think there's a natural inclination to look at someone and say, you have everything that makes me angry. Do you know what I mean? Because life is tough enough. Mm -hmm. Well, and I'll say this, the people that I know that seem to quote, have it all, it feels like they work very hard to have it all. Like you don't have it all without working extremely hard for it. So I do think that you have to peer behind the curtain and say, okay, they've got all these things going in their life. What are they doing? And you see how hectic they are and see how much planning goes into it. So a lot of times, like, it's deserved. You know, they've worked really hard for that life. Mm -hmm. No, that's very true. So that's something you have to, I think, acknowledge as well. But I think that's that's natural Mm -hmm. where you meet someone, you're like, wait a second. You have a great job and you're filthy and you're nice and you're good looking what 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 what's my problem i didn't do anything wrong how did you end up with all this so i i get what you're saying there just like you know who doesn't have it all me because i'll tell you something it was just l after l after l last night kate had a one-on-one night nice job filling in kate constable she had 
Grizzlies. Oh my God, the guts to take the Grizz. Plus three and a half hosting the Rockets. The Grizz won 121-113. Had Jazz team total over 122 and a half against the Lakers. Lost by the hook. They had 122. And then, man, uh, I'll just say it. I had the Jazz laying five and a half against the Lakers. Without LeBron, the Lakers went going away. 138-122. I had the Jets on the puck line against the Sharks. The Jets win. They were like minus 380 on the money line. I had them winning by two. No, they win by one. One nothing. Then Vince Panthers under six and a half. No. Florida wins five two. Seven goals. L. 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 As for the Donkster, a one and one night. He had the Donkster had the Lakers without LeBron. That was a dub, obviously. And then number eight, Tennessee at Arkansas under 151 and a hook. The Vols win 92-63. So that goes over with a total of 155 points. So for the week, Chelsea, you're one and two. I am dragging us behind, dragging ass at one and four. And the Dogster is two and four. It's the Daily Tip from Becky Hill, presented by BetMGM. She is Chelsea Messenger, back better than ever. And with a clean house i'm michael jenkins what did we see last night in the nba chelsea oh my god an absolute donkey stomping at td garden where the celtics crushed the nets 136 86 the celtics laying 13 they were minus 1000 on the money line total set at 228 and hook the under hits peyton pritchard comes off the bench to score 28 Derek white adds 27 and the Celtics playing without Jalen Brown record the fifth 50-point win in franchise history while handing the Nets their second-worst loss ever. Only one Brooklyn starter scores in double figures. That is Mikhail Bridges, who scores 10. Boston has now won six straight going into the All-Star break, and they do it by absolutely embarrassing the Nets. This was an eight-point game two nights ago, but last night, a route. Yeah, this is one thing the Celtics have been very good at as a, a testament to all of those 50-point wins. They've been good at blowing out some really bad teams. Does this really make a difference in the long run if you're looking at the futures market? No, because they're probably not yeah. going to be playing the Nets in the postseason. And I think that's, from a betting standpoint, that's what we'd be looking at here is just how bad the Nets have kind of been. Without uh, Ben, God, I just I just blanked on his last name. The guy that doesn't want to shoot, Ben Simmons. 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 God, Simmons. You got early. it. It's very Nailed early. It. Uh, without Ben Simmons, this Nets team has looked absolutely abysmal. So, yes, it's going to be some big numbers against the Nets, but, man, have they been t- terrible at covering numbers. But I did think there was an interesting talking point in some of the quotes after the game uh, by Joe Mazzula. He said, it, winning is just as dangerous as losing if you don't handle it the right way. So I know a a lot has been made about the coaching and Joe Missoula. We know he's one of the younger coaches in the NBA. Do you think you have enough faith in Joe Missoula to handle winning the right way going into the postseason? Because I agree with them. I think it is dangerous. Yeah. He just earned his 100th victory last night. I I like Joe Missoula, and I like the Celtics, but – and I think they can handle it. My question is not whether or not the Celtics can handle the regular season. It's whether they can handle the pressure of the postseason. And they are that classic team that has been close. They've lost in the finals before. They've just kind of hovered around 
the possibility of winning that NBA title, but they haven't done it yet. Even though I feel like they've been the favorites now for what? The last mm-hmm. three years, the Celtics are always up there near the top when you're talking about the futures market. So it's not about handling it so much as it is, can you ha- – well, maybe this is part of it. Can you handle the pressure of trying to win a title? So I think that's the one thing that I come back to with Boston is I haven't seen them, at least not yet, be able to handle the pressure that comes with being a title favorite and trying to win it all. They're a great team. They'll continue to be a great team. But can they get over the hump? That's my question with them. But it seems to me, if it's a pressure thing, if you continue to go the NBA Finals and you continue to go deep in the NBA postseason, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's not a pressure thing anymore. If you've been there so many times, like yeah. think about something that makes you nervous. If you've done it a lot of times, wouldn't you say it probably makes you less nervous? Like I equate it to going off the high dive. Like when you're really young, the really mm-hmm. big platform diving board the first time you go off you're like oh my god this is terrifying you go off it it's still kind of terrifying but if you go like five or six times you know the terror starts to wear off so at this point the celtics feel like they've been a staple what the past three or four years yeah like it's crazy and so at some point you know the stage and the spotlight you can't blame it on the pressure maybe it's something else maybe it's just the lack of the superstars really capitalizing in the postseason, and maybe just point your finger, you know, at the two guys, at Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. We'll see. They're still pretty young, but at some point, the repetition, you would think eventually they get one, right? You would think. I mean, I look at it like this, is that to to use your analogy, which is, hey, we're accustomed to being on the high dive, all right? We're, we know what this is about. We know the climb up. We know what it takes to get here. But now the question is, when we get to the end of the board, can we nail the dive? Because we've been here before. We've been in this spot. Can we nail the dive? Can we actually perform under pressure? Can we get those clutch shots before the defense we need to play? So we we know how to get here. But when we get here, how are we going to dismount off this platform? And are we going to go into the water with no splash? Because I don't know. This is seems like what diving entails to me you know what i mean so they're, they're they know how to get there the question is can you crush it when you're right there staring down and saying it's right there in front of us now it's time for us to perform that's what i wonder about well it's also it's not it's a zero-sum game too so it's not just can they nail the dive it's does the next person have an even better dive it's almost like yeah. the super bowl and looking at the niners and saying is this a a case of them not handling the pressure or did they just come across a generational talent at quarterback so you look across the way at the western conference and it does feel like most of the talent is stacked in the western conference right now it is so much Mm -hmm. more interesting i think to dive into the west so even if the celtics coast their way through the eastern conference and you know that side of the bracket i still feel like the problem's out west because it feels like all the extremely top-end talent is coming from the West. Like, that's what I think is the real problem with the Celtics. Well, let's talk about the West because last night the Clippers beat the Warriors 131-25. The Clippers were getting three points. The Clippers 125 plus 125 on the money line. Total set at 236 and a hook. The over hits. James Harden paces the Clippers 26. Paul George adds 24. And then Norman Powell comes in and drops four big three-pointers in this span of seven minutes in the fourth quarter as part of his 21-point night. Clippers win again, but they do overcome a 41-point effort 
from Steph Curry, who goes nine of nine from long range. And he becomes the first player in NBA history to make seven or more threes in four consecutive games. So a ho-hum win for the Clippers. They keep rolling along despite Steph doing Steph things. And without Kawhi Leonard. That's why they were getting points here, I'm assuming. So big win for the Clippers. This is the toughest team, I think, in the West right now. (laughs) I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong. They have just been awesome this season once they have come together, and they're going to be a real force in the playoffs because it seems like they have some depth and also they're staying healthy. Coming up next on the show, we will try to answer some of the burning questions in the NBA before the All-Star break gets. She's Chelsea. I'm Jinx. It is a daily tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. Stay right there on a Thursday. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the show on a Thursday. It is the Daily Tip from QL presented by Madam GM. She is Chelsea. I'm Jinx. Thanks for being with us live across the country from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. in the East. Coming up, did the Bucks make the right call in hiring Doc Rivers? We will answer that question and more in the NBA. So, Chelsea, what else did you do on your day off besides cleaning the house? You had to do something for yourself. You go down to the Starbucks, the box, you grab yourself one of those fancy coffees that you like because surely I've seen you drinking from the I don't give a sip cup this morning, which is my favorite cup that you have, at least the cup that I know about. What did you do for yourself aside? Or maybe you wanted to clean the house and you're like, this is for me because I need a calmer environment. Well, the cleaning part of it is not fun, but having a clean house is fun. It's one of those Uh, things where like the good feeling comes afterwards. Like, you know the feeling of when you're sitting on the couch and the house looks like it has been unlived in. You light a single candle and you start watching a show. You're like, ah, this is adult happiness. Do you get what I'm saying? And maybe because you don't have kids, it's a little different. Because some of this is out of my control. It's not me that's stringing across 12 My Little Ponies and three LOL Uh. dolls and 75 accessories across the, the floor. But I do feel... Like the the feeling of a clean house is really nice. So like that was for me. Other than that, like it was one day. So it's not like I was like doing a whole lot. You know, it was 24 hours. I wasn't going to like, you know, do something crazy for myself. <laughs> right. But I will say sleeping in and having a normal schedule. And let me toot our own horns for just a second. Mm-hmm. It is extremely difficult on a weekly basis to wake up as early as we do. And mentally, sometimes I tell myself, I'm like, Chelsea, you're being soft. There are plenty of people that wake up at like five and go to the gym. And then you take a day off in the middle of the week. You're like, oh, my God, this is how productive I would be if I was on a normal sleep schedule. I don't feel like a zombie. This is a crazy experience. So, Jenks, this is us patting ourselves on the back for waking up at these crazy hours and living every single week on it. We deserve some credit, do we not? Yeah, I agree. You know what's funny is it's funny that you mentioned that because before I tied one on last night, I was talking (laughs) to my friend Pat and I was asking him 
And it's funny, Pat is normally the bartender. He's the boyfriend of Jasmine, who also works there. And so they were kind of hanging out beforehand, and then Jasmine left. And so Pat and I are hanging out. And so I just wanted, I needed a sounding board. I needed to talk to someone just about their objective opinion. And so I was asking him, I said, yeah, let me ask you this. If you're, if you have a job, you have a career, and how do you balance because I've got some choices to make as far as some work with the commanders coming up and all of this different stuff. And so it's all good. But I thought, where do you where do you strike that balance between this is good to have this work, this is good for my career, but also I don't want to kill myself because I work up, you know, I wake up super early every day, just like you do. So where do you find like how do you strike that work life balance? And he was like, I work three days a week. I was like, What? He was like, Yeah, I just he goes, you have a career. I just, I go, so I'm, I'm curious, you, you don't want to do this because there are some people who are in the service industry, for example, and they can work in restaurants, they can work in bars, and you can make a career out of it if you want to. It just depends on if you want to. And he was like, no, I just, you know, I work three days a week. I make the money I want to make, and then I just chill. And I was like, oh, well, that sounds nice. And, but also there, there are sacrifices that come with that. And so he was saying, I can't necessarily relate because I don't consider this a career. I do it just to make the money that I need to make. And then the rest of the time, I just kind of hang out. So there's positives and negatives of both of those things. But that's something I think that's also a younger generation thing that I am still coming around to that idea where there are some people who are just like, I just work the bare minimum that I have to work just to do what I need to do. And then that's it for me. And that's, I think that's a foreign concept if you're older, if that makes sense. I think it really is personality based because some people would be fully content not working at all. And as somebody who has had the luxury of not working uh -huh. at all while my husband was playing baseball, it drove me crazy. I am not somebody who can't work. I have to have something to hang my hat on and I need to be challenged. Um, I will say that is a positive of this job. I never feel oh, yeah. like I am not being challenged. So Jenks, would you want to work a job that, yes, it would be less stressful. Yes, it would be mm -hmm. easier. But I feel like I am continuing to learn things at this job. And it is never super easy. Like we have fun <laughs> right. days and we have fun oh, days yeah. on the show, but it takes a lot of uh, discipline. I think discipline is a great word when you have a job that you have to wake up super early because every single night you have to say, okay, when everybody else is still awake and watching these games, you have to get to bed. So I wish our job was like a touch easier and maybe the hours were a touch easier, but at the same time, I feel like we are always challenged. Yes, I would, I would not want to engage in any sort of job where there wasn't there wasn't something that I feel like I could accomplish. Do you know what I mean? Where mm -hmm. I, where at the end of this show, I can gauge, Hey, was this a good show? Was, did I, did I go in and out of the breaks? Okay. Was there good conversation? Did I handle this topic with the appropriate levity or the appropriate seriousness that it deserved? So those things I feel like in my mind, I can sort of measure and say, okay, I think I accomplished, hopefully, this goal of setting a standard and meeting that standard. And I, I get, in theory, you could do that with any job, but at the same time, not all jobs are created equal. So look, let's be honest, some jobs, no matter what they are, they're 
they're very rudimentary. And it's not to say you can't set goals, but they're not nearly as challenging. So I get what you're saying. Yeah. How challenging do you think it would be to be an NBA coach? I always think oh, about this because one would think it's all about X's and O's and saying this guy has a great basketball IQ. The acumen certainly there when it comes to scheming. But at that level, especially in basketball, a lot of it feels like managing personalities. Do you think yes. that there have been many a sleepless nights for some of these head coaches? I do because the thing about being a head coach in really any sport, and I think NBA, mm -hmm. you probably have players who are more mercurial than in other sports, is that- They have a lot more power. Yeah, they have a lot more power. You have to massage egos more. And there is a real gift in that, right? Like you can be brilliant at X's and O's. You can be great at scheming, but it's all irrelevant if your players aren't happy with you, if your players aren't loyal to you, if your players aren't mm -hmm. listening to you. And so you really have to be able to balance. Yes, I know what I'm doing, but also I have the respect of the locker room or I have the respect of the clubhouse, whatever it is, because the guys know I have their backs, that I am – I am someone who supports them and we respect one another. And that's not always the case. So that's why being a head coach, I think, especially at the higher levels is such a challenge because you can be one or the other, but you really have to be both. Well, and so much of your success is going to be tied to how much your superstars execute because at the yes. end of the day in the NBA, so much of it is about the superstars performing when it matters the most in the postseason. And whether you did a great job coaching or not, your success is going to depend mm -hmm. on if the team wins the game. Like, say the team shot, like, 27% from the field. That's not on right. you. I guess maybe if you drew up plays that had them shooting, you know, <laughs> long-range jumpers the entire night. But still, do you get what I'm saying? Like, sometimes a coach can yes. lose, but it's not necessarily their fault. Oh, and that's the thing is that sometimes you can absolutely just lay out the perfect game plan. But ultimately, if guys, if you're if you're scheming guys open for shots, but everyone's going one for ten from the field, it then it's irrelevant. You know, you you mm -hmm. did everything you can do, but your team just didn't execute. So, yeah, that's part of the challenge of being any head coach. And imagine being a coach where you're doing everything right, but you don't have the athletes available. Like you're the coach of, like being the head coach of the Grizzlies, for example, or the Blazers. Yeah, you have some individual talent, but ultimately you know that the deck is stacked against you each and every single night because sometimes you can have the perfect game plan, but you just get out-talented. You get out-athleted. Like what are you going to do if you have a bunch of rookies and some mediocre players on your roster and you've got everything planned appropriately, but the Celtics come to town. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do here. Maybe we get lucky, but maybe we don't. So that leads us right into some questions before the All-Star break, Chelsea. And the number one on this list is, and it is early in his tenure, but did the Bucs make the right call in hiring Doc Rivers? The Bucs have been banged up. There's no question about it. And they, at times, maybe look like they're getting better on defense, and that's been their real issue early in the season. But was this the right call, or did the Bucks hit the panic button here? Well, I think we all can agree that the Bucks hit the panic button way too early when it came to Coach yeah. Bud. 
Coach Bob was a great coach, and I think they let him go a little bit too early. We know they had a really embarrassing loss in the postseason to the Miami Heat, who went on to play in the NBA Finals. So maybe you give them a little more slack there and say, okay, maybe we shouldn't fire our coach. But when it comes to the legacy of Doc Rivers in Milwaukee, this feels like something that is still unwritten. Don't you feel mm -hmm. like this is an incomplete? Like if we were grading the report card here, it is impossible to give him a grade on this until the season is over and until we've seen what the Bucs do in the postseason. Because right now it is still the extreme short term. Yes, it feels like the Bucs are newborn baby deer that are trying to <laughs> find their feet under Doc Rivers. But still, it's impossible to grade what he's doing right now until we see what it happens in the postseason. Because isn't this yeah. the main thing for the Milwaukee Bucks? Like their goal is not to win a bunch of regular season games. And we saw that when they fired their head coach, despite a winning record. So I think this is an incomplete as far as the grade card goes. Yeah, I think that's, I, I think that's a good way to put it. And it's easy to sort of jump off the ledge here and say, oh my God, they hired him and things have, things have immediately gone downhill. But I want to see, A, I want to see the Bucks completely healthy. And then B, I want to see just a bit more of a sample size because anytime you have a change, be it at head coach, be it in your roster, it does sort of take not just a few games. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer for everything to come together. We saw that with the Clippers, right? When they made that trade for James Harden early on, they just couldn't win anything. And now they look like one of the best teams in the West. So since we're talking about the West, what about the Golden State Warriors? I know you saw that headline yesterday where apparently – before the trade deadline, they tried to make a move for LeBron James, which is just wild to me, and just go all in on maybe we can win one more title or two with Steph and LeBron. That clearly did not happen. LeBron did not want to go to Golden State. He wanted to stay a Laker, so he is a Laker. Is the window closed for the Warriors? They've kind of shown their hand here a little bit. Or, based on recent results, and they've been good recently, is there still a chance for Golden State? I think it's really easy to sit here and say that the dynasty is over, pack up all your things. This was their one last desperation grab at trying to win something this year. And it should tell you something. Mm -hmm. If they're going after LeBron James, this feels like a mad dash to try to say, okay, our window's closing. We got to do something quick. But look at last year. Look at how much we were laughing at the LA Lakers during the course of the regular season, who were very much yes. middling around 500, barely made it into the postseason. We said, oh, the postseason's a grind. They're way too old. They'll never do anything. They made it to the Western Conference Finals. So would not yeah. shock me if the Warriors can do the same thing. I do think there is a ceiling for the Warriors, though, kind of like there was a ceiling for the Lakers last year. So I would not be shocked if they make a run in the postseason but I would be shocked if they won at all. It does feel like a team that it's getting much older. Steph Curry looks ageless, but it has to be more than him. It has to be the pieces around him. And like, are we really turning the page on Draymond Green that he wouldn't do something dumb again if he was in the postseason, huh. get teed up yeah. at a bad time? So it's, it would be shocking to me if they won another one. Wouldn't be shocking, you know, if they upset somebody in the postseason because the Lakers did it last year. But unfortunately, it does feel like the dynasty is over. Yeah, I think so, too. And I'll give credit to Steve Kerr because he has made some adjustments along the way that I think has made – they've made the Warriors better. 
and he's sort of mm-hmm. adjusted along the way with Draymond out of the lineup and figuring things out and maybe giving giving some run to some of the different players on that roster instead of always going back to Steph, always going back to Clay, always going back to Draymond. But ultimately, I just don't think this team has the horses to make a sustained run in the playoffs. And and what we'll see is, which is sort of what we saw last night, where the Warriors look pretty good, they lose, and then Steph goes off and has a monster game. But ultimately, they just can't rely on Steph to drop 40 points every night where everyone else isn't really competing like they used to compete. So I'm kind of with you there. I think that window probably is shut. Coming up next on the show, it might be the offseason, but the NFL news cycle never stops. We're talking about that next on the Daily Different IQL presented by BetMGM. It is great to have you with us on a Thursday morning. Sarah Dick. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Yeah! Welcome back to the show. The Daily Tip for BetQL presented by BetMGM. Despite an appearance in the Super Bowl, one NFL coach gets the boot. We will talk about that shortly. Chelsea, are you one of those people who follows the NFL religiously even during the offseason? Because I will say the NBA does a very good job during the offseason because players are always chirping at each other. But the NFL, no matter what, seems to dominate the news cycle. You can truly, you can truly cover the NFL year-round because even on a slow day, there's always something going on, whether it's a coach getting fired, a coach getting hired, a free agency decision that needs to be made, someone getting traded – it's always the NFL just dominates like no other league does. Yeah, well, we do a show on sports, so I feel like I have to be tuned in at least a little bit, at huh. least to the big changes. If there is like drama and somebody's talking trash, I'll pay attention to that. Like I'll click through, uh, or you know, if there are coaching changes, because mm-hmm. those are I think because over the off season, it does feel like. The NFL offseason isn't as wild as, say, like the NBA offseason where you have like these huge, massive trades that shake up the entire team because, you know, there's only five guys on a team. So if you get a superstar, you know, instant contention for whoever that team is. So since the that's not really the case for the NFL, these coaching changes are usually like the biggest deals and the most impactful mm-hmm. when it comes to the NFL. Yeah, I think you're right. And just little things can really shift the – just absolutely just shift the dynamic of a certain team or whether it's just one player leaving, one player coach leaving, even though it's not like the NBA where if you have a a player that is traded, certainly because Mm -hmm. of fewer players in the NBA, but even in the NFL, it can really make a huge difference. And that's what we saw yesterday in San Francisco where Steve Wilkes out – as Niners defensive coordinator, I, this surprised me. And I don't know if this is a personality issue or whatever it is, 
but he spent one year as defensive coordinator for the Niners. And I wonder if they're looking for a scapegoat or whether or not this is, this is someone who wasn't a personality fit, but the Niners defense was number eight overall in the national football league. They were number three in scoring defense. And Kyle Shanahan said yesterday, it ended up not being the right fit. So I don't know what happened behind the scenes here, but is, is this performance based at all? Because certainly the Niners defense was very good this season. Yeah. Until they got to the postseason. And isn't that when it really matters. And so when I first saw this story, it was shocking to me. I'm not going to lie. Cause you're right. The defense has been great all season long, but when you are a team that's trying to win Super Bowls, the standards probably going to be higher. And I do think, Mm -hmm. you know, you see a defense that looked markedly worse in the postseason. And isn't that something we talked about going into the Super Bowl is the fact that the Niners really struggled to, you know, stop some of these other quarterbacks. Uh, Jordan Love and the Packers, I will say they only gave up 21 points, gave up 31 to the Lions, although that was a good offense as well. But are you really going to hang your hat or hang your head after giving up 25 to the Chiefs in overtime to one of the greatest quarterbacks yeah. of all time and one of the best offensive minds in the NFL currently in Andy Reid? I don't know because the question is whenever you fire a, um, a coordinator, a head coach, whoever, you better have somebody lined up that's better because that's what we're talking about here. You know, you can say, okay, they weren't good enough. But who are you going to hire that's better than this person? So I would hope that if you make this kind of move for your defensive coordinator, you have somebody in mind that you want to bring in. Like, wouldn't you think that's the case? You would think so. And I think Kyle Shanahan is is certainly one of the better. I think he's a top 10 coach in the NFL, clearly. And so I can't imagine him just making this move off the cuff, just on the fly and saying, I don't have an idea of who else will come in. I feel like this would be planned out more appropriately. And and I I, I think your point is, is well taken, which is you guys were great in the regular season defensively, but you started to slip in the postseason. I don't know how much of that had to do with the Niners being banged up. And certainly we saw Dre Greenlaw, tear that ACL just running onto the field in the Super Bowl. But ultimately, it it, yeah, it was just so brutal to watch. But it just feels like maybe they said, look, we've got a certain standard here. We need someone to kind of take the fall. And you didn't meet that standard in the postseason, which is when it counts. So he is gone. What about in Dallas where Steve Wilkes leaving the Niners, Mike Zimmer coming to the Cowboys as their defensive coordinator, and he replaces Dan Quinn, who, of course, came here to D.C. to take over the Commanders. But this is – is this a comfort hire? I don't know. Zimmer was in Dallas from 1994 to 2006, and he certainly knows Mike McCarthy from his time coaching the Vikings in the NFC North. I think the thing that that strikes me about this is the difference in – personalities and if the players on the Dallas roster will take to Mike Zimmer because when you listen to what they said about Dan Quinn particularly Micah Parsons Micah Parsons was effusive in his praise and saying that's my OG I love this guy I've never wanted to play for someone like I've wanted to play for him he understands us and then you go from someone like Dan Quinn and that's really his reputation right he's a great locker room guy the players love playing for him And then Mike Zimmer comes along, who's more of an old school, like fire and brimstone football coach. 
He has the experience there, but this will be a shift in personality. Oh, for sure. When I read some of the quotes uh, in this article, the one that stood out to me, uh, or I guess this is just like an anecdote. He said he preached mm -hmm. the importance of player development over building a friendship when it comes to mm -hmm. coaching priorities. And it feels like Dan Quinn had very good relationships with some of his yes. players. It sounds like he was friends with them. So I think it will be markedly different in that regard. But the thing is, the goal is still the same. And if you come in and say, hey, listen, I could be friends with you or you guys could do something different because clearly the last thing did not work out. The defense was great, but still, this is yeah. a team overall that has fallen comically short of their expectations. So sometimes you got to do things differently. So if the goal is the same and they are winning, I think everybody will be fine. But when this team starts losing, that's when things could really go into shambles. If they're not mm -hmm. getting along with the DC and they're also losing, then it could end very, very badly. Yes, that is correct. So I, I think I think Dallas will be fine. Certainly they have plenty of personnel to be a good defense. But man, Mike Zimmer has some work to do as far as filling Dan Quinn's shoes because the Cowboys were exceptional last year. They allowed 18.5 points per game, under 300 yards per game. Both were fifth in the NFL. We do need to talk about Travis Kelsey. Well, once again, he is back in the news. But this time, I think it was interesting, on his podcast with his brother, he was breaking down that bump that he shared. I don't want to say maybe shared. It's not the right way to put it. That he Like, I shared a bump with Andy Reid, where Andy Reid was almost knocked off his feet in the Super Sounds Bowl. Sounds like we it was on Lifetime. No. They shared a bump. They shared a bump. It's not uh, romantic. No, no. <laughs> uh, so, of course, we saw that during the Super Bowl. He goes over and he's yelling in Andy Reid's face and he's losing his mind because he wanted to be in that game. He did not want to set up that one play where the Chiefs fumbled in the red zone. And so he was talking about it with Jason yesterday on his podcast. And he said that he, quote, crossed the line. And Jason agreed with him and said, I think we can both agree that that was – a, a, a little much and this is what Travis said quote if he would have cold cocked me in the face right there I would have just ate it and been like yeah let's effing go and it did it didn't look good at the time at the same time you never know an individual relationship that someone has with another person and when you listen to Andy Reid and when you listen to Travis Kelsey they each say look We've gone to war, if you will, so many times in the NFL. We've been on the sidelines. We've had so many times we've gotten in each other's face. And Andy Reid said, yeah, I've leaned my shoulder to Travis Kelsey before trying to get him going. So I appreciate Travis Kelsey saying, all right, maybe I got a little carried away. At the same time, this seems to be kind of the nature of their personalities when they get together because they're so hyper-competitive and they love winning. So I feel like the, initially it looked bad, but at the end of the day, once you sort of take a step back, it's not that big of a deal. This feels so comically in line with Travis Kelsey's personality is like yes. a real guy's guy. And it's almost similar to like high school boys that they get in fights, they punch each other around, but after the fight, there's... Mm -hmm there's no tension, you know, as opposed to girls who are still like talking about each other behind their backs, you know, mm -hmm. Travis Kelsey and whoever, you know, they have their fights, they get on with it. 
and there's no hard feelings moving forward. He just doesn't feel like, I don't want this to come across the wrong way. He doesn't feel like a super deep person. So like, mm-hmm. I feel like it was just him reacting emotionally in the moment. And it wasn't something that me- meant any more. If you mm-hmm. are Taylor Swift listening to him talk about this, do you believe mm-hmm. him? And do you say, okay, this is a red flag, but he explained himself. He was mm-hmm. apologetic. He knows it's wrong. So do we move on from this? I think probably so. I will say if you're if you're Taylor, you're like, what in the world was that? Is that something I need to worry about? But you hear this all the time too. People who are hyper-competitive and they play at the highest levels, you kind of have to have that sort of competitive edge. You don't have to go crazy, but you have to have a different type of intensity to play professional football. Mm-hmm. I agree, especially on the defensive side. Yeah. Like I always feel like you have to have something almost wrong with you to want to like go out and crush people every single play. Yeah. But I think the main thing is that he apologized. Like it would be one thing yes. if he doubled down and said, you know, I'm a competitive guy, whatever. No, he apologized. He said it was out of line. So that's the main thing. If you can acknowledge and apologize for your mistakes, that takes a big man. I agree with you. And we do want to acknowledge, we know that Chiefs Super Bowl celebration yesterday ended up being a, an awful tragedy with one person dying and 21 injured and some kids going to the hospital. So we were certainly thinking about those who were victims yesterday and the families involved as well and thinking about the people of Kansas City. It is the Daily Tip for BetQL presented by BetMGM. Stay right there. Hour two is all the way next. For more, listen to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.